Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Francesca D'Alessandro, a current master's student at University of Buffalo studying speech language mythology. Additionally, I am your Miss Thousand Islands of New York State, serving my community through AAA appreciation and awareness for autism. And I am Megan Sinisi, a Master of Health Science candidate studying to practice as a pediatric speech language pathologist. I am also Miss Central Pennsylvania and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Lauren Melissa, known across social media as AutiNL, she is an autistic advocate and social justice influencer, leveraging her BA in creative writing and MS in library information science. She seeks to cultivate awareness and acceptance for the actually autistic community through neurodiversity activism. Her advocacy work has been featured on several blogs, podcasts, and events, including Neuroplastic, BBC Minute, Healthline, Glamour UK, and Inclusion Festival. Even more, she's active, she actively engages in dialogue across lines of difference, highlighting the inequitable systems that oppress queer and Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities, otherwise known as BIPOC. And through Instagram, Laura Melissa addresses everyday coping strategies for autistics by answering questions through Tips. And in this way, she hopes to co-create a society where autistics nurture autistics as we strive against ableism towards a destination of true inclusion. So we are so excited to have you here today because you are so accomplished and so well-spoken. And we are just so excited for you to share your story and perspective with us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited as well. Thanks. So for our viewers and for us, could you give us an, an introduction of yourself and what clubs or activities that you're involved in? Ah, well, that was a great introduction. So I'm not quite sure what more to add, but I can say that I have been an autism, autistic advocate since about 2016. Um, that's when I took on that, I guess, passion. And I am a late diagnosed autistic. I was not diagnosed until I was 23 years old. And in addition, I guess, clubs activities wise, I'm also really passionate about education advocacy. And I sit on some boards and committees for that. And yeah, I also have a cat and <laughs> I like to read lots of books. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you're very well-rounded, and we're also happy to hear about how passionate you are with education. Fran and I are kind of in the education realm with speech-language pathology, so we're excited to hear what all you have to share with us. But on Spectrum Sundays, we specifically like to share all different perspectives of autism. We feel that that's really important for our audience to hear all different lived experiences to help cultivate that sense of acceptance around autism. Um, but there are many different ways that autism we hear being labeled or addressed. So there's person first language where people say people with autism, and then it can also be referred to as autistic person. So using that identity first language. So could you share with, um, share with us why you identify with one over the other and why that's important to you? Yeah, so I definitely prefer for myself identity first language. And that is for a lot of different reasons. 
So I would prefer to go by autistic person. I sometimes people get confused identity first by autistic person. And I would say the main reason for that is because I feel as though being autistic is not a bad thing. I don't feel as though having a disability is a bad thing. And I don't feel like by someone saying that I am autistic, which is the truth of who I am, that that takes away from my personhood. So to put person first almost makes it seem like there is this idea that the autistic part of me doesn't need to come first because it's bad or because it's not, it makes me less valuable in some way. And I don't ascribe to that belief. And so for me to say, I am an autistic person, I am autistic, just puts out there, first and foremost, that disability isn't something to be ashamed of or to not see first when looking at someone. It's okay to see me as autistic. And if that is a problem, maybe the person looking at me can look inside themselves and see why that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, that was so beautifully put. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we have come to learn that with a, a lot of the community, they see their autism as a lifestyle and a reason for their success. Like Temple Grandin built her success because of her autistic traits. And that's kind of what we want to talk about next because you mentioned to us when we were planning this episode that you refer to your autistic traits as traits rather than symptoms. So could you uh, share with our audience the traits that you appreciate the most about yourself and why this is beneficial for labeling characteristics? Yeah, so traits is a term that I prefer and that many other autistics prefer instead of symptoms because symptoms kind of imply sickness. And I mean, I do have some co-occurring conditions that have symptoms. I have hypermobility syndrome and other things like that that go coincide with my autism and I refer to those as symptoms when I talk about them. But for autism, I don't think about it as symptoms because I am autistic and that is a part of who I am. And to say that my traits are symptoms, or to say that certain parts of me that are intrinsic to me are signs of illness or sickness. And I just don't view myself in that way in terms of my autism. And some of my other disabilities, like hypermobility, I have symptoms. I have things that are making me hurt, but autism doesn't hurt me. It is the lens through which I see and experience the world. And I guess an example of that could be that I, well, there are so many traits to pick from, <laughs> but one trait could be that I am very honest and that I have a hard time reading between the lines and perceiving lies. Now, that could be viewed in one way as the symptom, oh, we need to teach this person to see lies, to see things in that way. But at the same time, I actually appreciate the fact that when I find out that someone is lying to me, that it is shocking, that it is, that it feels wrong, that it feels like a betrayal and shouldn't be something that I see as, oh, well, that's the way of the world. Because really lying and deception is a thing about the world that is harmful and it should shock and should alarm us. And I think becoming desensitized to that is, mis is an, like misfortune. So, I would perceive my inability to see lies very easily and my tendency to be very honest and upfront, or as some people put it, blunt. I see that as a strength in some ways, as well as a, an area of growth in others. 
but definitely not a symptom of something that's wrong with me, just a trait of who I am. Absolutely. And with Fran and I being in part of the therapy professions where we plan to work with individuals with autism, um, we want to play on their strengths. And that's a really good discussion for us to have now before we get into our careers, because it reshapes our thinking of, okay, are we going in treating these symptoms and treating it as a weakness and deficits, or are we going to play on their strengths and make sure that they're able to thrive using the things that make them who they are. And instead of looking at them in a negative light saying, okay, let's see the positives behind these traits and these characteristics. So I think that that's a, a very important discussion that we need to continually have until society adopts that um, new way of thinking and that new perspective. So considering all these different perspectives, there's also a hashtag, a really popular one that goes around social media. It's called hashtag actually autistic. And you use this in your Instagram bio as well. Could you explain to those who aren't familiar with this term, what it means and the purpose behind the autism advocacy? Yeah, so actually autistic is a hashtag that is used usually by people who are actually autistic that have been diagnosed or are self-diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And it is important to add this hashtag for me to many of my posts so that way when people read my perspective on autism, they know that this is coming from perspective of someone who's living with autism, who is autistic. And that is so important because the autism community itself is largely being, the autism community is full of advocates and allies who themselves do not have autism. And of course, we need people from all sides to be in support of autistic rights, autistic justice. But at the same time, it is important that any movement has at the forefront the people who are directly affected by it and the people who are living through the experience of that movement. And in this case, that is people who are actually autistic. And that's why we're so glad to have you on because we are hoping that with exposure of your perspective and your story, you'll inspire others to advocate for themselves as well and share their own perspectives, which might be different than your own, but um, that's why it is so important to self-advocate constantly. Um, something that I've noticed on your social media is you have what's called Auti tips. So could you share a little bit more about what they are and maybe what inspired you to start making them? Yes, um, when I started making Audi tips, it was actually a form of catharsis for me in many ways. As I originally mentioned, I was diagnosed with autism as an adult at age 23. And part of my diagnosis, even though that I was told that my traits of autism, that my characteristics were I struggle to say this because I don't like to use leveling language when it comes to autism, because I think that every autistic is different and just requires different supports. But the psychologist that I spoke to said that my traits were very similar to autism too, but that I presented very much like I was on autism, on autism one uh, level. And they said that that is because I had somehow throughout my life managed to create these really 
intricate and complex coping mechanisms and coping skills on my own. And when I first heard that, it was a little upsetting because I thought to myself, how many years of my life did I spend struggling and grasping at straws to come up with these coping skills to try to get through bullying and isolation and alienation and confusion and, and all these different experiences. And, if, and because I came up with coping skills on my own that were good enough, I was missed. I didn't get supports. And at first that made me very frustrated. And then after a time, I thought, wait a moment, I, I have these coping skills and there are other autistics who maybe are still trying to come up with coping skills for certain scenarios. And what if I just took some time to just describe these coping skills that I have? Maybe that could help someone. And so in that way, I was, I was able to let go of some of that bitterness that I had and move towards a purpose which was autistics nurturing other autistics. And at this point, the audio tips have just kind of transformed. And they used to be really short snippets, just like one sentence, two sentences long. Now I'm fighting to stay within the caption limitation of Instagram because they're so long. And people reach out to me and it's so wonderful. I, I wish I could kind of show my DMs and just the beautiful conversations that happen underneath the audio tips of people contacting me and saying, do you have any ideas for this or for that? Or talking about their experiences and teaching me more about my own community through these, these messages. And then the subsequent research and then sharing of my own experiences afterwards. I guess that's what people see when they look at the audio tips. But really there's a whole community in each post. Yeah, we're so glad to hear that you're utilizing your power behind social media to share all the things that you've learned. And it's really great to hear too, that you've channeled this little bit of frustration that you've cultivated throughout life because you've had to figure it out on your own um, and you're channeling, channeling that into your purpose. And we actually had a conversation last week with a professional and we talked about why it's harmful to look at autism as high functioning versus low functioning and same thing with the levels too. And it really comes down to the fact that people fall through the cracks whenever you put these labels and these boxes around it and it's just really good to see that there's an advocate out there that can relate to that and you're bridging the gap and putting resources that other people can tap into I think that's really wonderful um, so as our society works to create a world of equity and equality for all people we realize that there's a lot of different critical conversations that still need to be had to accomplish this idea Race and gender are some of those important topics that we need to discuss more openly with respect. So could you share some knowledge or experience that you've had with these topics and how they're important to be considered in regards to conversations about autism? Race and gender and autism, that is a very big conversation. It could take up a lot of time. Uh, suffice it to say though, that I have experienced all three of these at the same time, um, being a black, biracial woman on the spectrum. And I would like to emphasize a few things around that in terms of the autistic experience. So I do believe that in addition to my coping skills that I had built up prior to my diagnosis, 
another reason why I slipped through the cracks, as you said earlier, is because I am a woman and because I am Black. And many Black children do not get diagnosed with autism because our behaviors or differences or traits are chalked up to like biases and discrimination, discriminatory thoughts about it. So I was alienated many times in school and felt different. And I think a lot of people just said, oh, it's because she's a different race or so she's, she's being segregated from her peers when there was also actually a communication thing that was going on, a social um, communication struggle that was going on. My bullying wasn't because of my biraciality per se, that I couldn't fit in with black people, I couldn't fit in with white people. There was more going on, but I think it got stopped at the racial level. And in addition, women and girls, AFAB individuals, they are often missed when it comes to autism diagnoses because of the fact that initial autism research was done primarily, if not exclusively, on men and boys. And symptoms and traits present differently a lot of the time in AFAB individuals. So when you have a completely different set of traits or I shouldn't say completely different, but very different set of traits or very different ways of expressing in an autistic way, that's gonna get missed, especially since young girls tend to be the kind of autistic that sits quietly in school and obeys the rules and sits in those structures and those routines. I mean, that was me. I was very into the rules and structures and routines of school and a very good listener and followed all of the things that I was supposed to follow. And I didn't come up on the radar for teachers. That was kind of like a breath of fresh air for a lot of educators. Like, oh, at least we don't have to worry about Lauren. But like I said earlier, there was a lot going on underneath the surface of that that got missed and the supports are missed. So race, gender, autism, big conversation. And that's just a little taste of it. Right, yeah. And hopefully um, as time goes on, more people will feel comfortable sharing their story like you have. So we can really nitpick and figure out how complex these situations can be and how to better understand how they work so that children don't have to go 25 years or so before they're diagnosed. And we can help them early on with figuring out how to um, better acclimate them into their environment. Because I, I think we're going to talk about it later, but a lot of times women are missed because they're often masking and camouflaging to try to fit better into their environment. And that's not really what we want. Uh, we want them to feel comfortable as they are and be 100% themselves anywhere they, they go. But kind of shifting gears, um, we talked before we started today about how Megan and I are just allies of the community. We're not diagnosed with autism. So we wanna amplify the voices of those who are autistic and not be the voice of people who are autistic. So um, as we partner together and create a more welcoming and accepting society, how would you like to see the autism community and autism allies partner together to be more successful? 
So the autistic community and autism allies, I think we really do have to find common ground and work together because that's, there's just so much wonderful work that can be done as a whole team. It has proven to be somewhat difficult though. And I find that very unfortunate. And I hope that there can be a lot of change there. Obviously we're working together here now, so there can be change and there can be a path that everyone walks together. I think that there's a lot of hurt from the autistic side of things. That's the perspective that I can speak from. Being myself an autistic that is verbally expressive in many ways, not all the time, but I'm a verbal processor. I feel as though a lot of people who are, are autism allies immediately see me as an autistic who doesn't need a lot of supports or isn't like their child or their cousin or their sibling because I present neurotypical enough. I present autistic enough. And that's just not really the truth of what's going on beneath the surface. There are some autism allies, many parents of autistic children that get very and understandably frustrated when people try to tell them about their child. Like that's, that's my child, you know, is what they are thinking. And I know my child better than anyone else. And in a lot of ways, that is definitely true. And I am single. I am not a parent. Um, so there are many things that I can learn from parents of children with autism as well. But in that same way, parents of children with autism can very much benefit from listening to the voices of autistic people, whether or not they are perceived to be just like their child. And in addition to that, there is no real understanding of what my childhood is like or was like when a parent speaks to me. And so, or, or a sibling or a family member speaks to me wanting to discount that I could be anything like their child. Because, you know, autistic children grow into being autistic adults and we don't look the same the whole time, the whole way through. I would like to use a metaphor, though, to explain this, to kind of take it out of the autism for a second and just think about it this way. I am biracial. I am black and white. My father is white. I love him and he loves me. And he, however, does not know what it's like for me to exist in the world as a black person. And if another black person came up to my dad to try to explain the experience that I was having, and my dad said to that black person, no, I know my child better than you. That wouldn't really make a lot of sense because <laughs> my dad has no idea what it's actually like. He can empathize, he can listen, and he can care, but he has no idea what it's actually like to walk through a situation as a black person. And if another black person were to try to advocate for me in that way to explain it, maybe when I'm not present, or maybe because he just needs another opinion, it would do my father very well to listen to that black person. 
And I feel it's the same with autism. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that metaphor, because I feel like that really speaks to the point that we all need to adopt right now, the, the mindset that it's okay to talk about other different experiences that you've had. It's actually very beneficial for you to try to keep an open mind and have an open dialogue. And I'm not sure how we got to this point or, or why it's so, it's like, it, it doesn't feel good to like admit that you don't know a, an experience because I feel like generally people do like to go through the world being open and understanding, but until you're confronted with a very important conversation that you know nothing about, if, you're, if you continue to be closed off about that, you can't learn from that experience. So Fran and I have talked about active listening and what that looks like. Um, and I feel like that speaks to an example of how you can be open and understanding, even if it's not an experience that you've had. And until you open up to that conversation, how can you truly know? Um, I, hear, I hear of a quote that says, nothing about us without us. And I think that also speaks to what we need to look at with um, different communities. So not just the autism community, like you said, but we can't be making decisions about experiences that we have never had before until we hear from the people who lived through that experience. Um, so going off of this idea of acceptance, what does that look like to you? Or what does acceptance truly mean to you? Acceptance means to me much more than just receiving accommodations. Although accommodations are very needed, supports are very needed. I think acceptance to me would be a recognition of the amount of accommodations that holistic people actually receive already for their like neuro world, <laughs> their neuro experience. There are accommodations and supports built into everything for holistic people. And autistic people need similar accommodations. But when it's given to us, it's viewed as extra or as more. And I would just like there to be an acknowledgement that we're all neuro neurodiverse, that we're all different, that we all have different ways of navigating the world. And the more that we can accept that difference, that diversity, and build a society that is inclusive of all of that, the better along we'll all be. Because I really believe that there are so many supports that autistics could receive that would benefit everyone. Like, I think everybody wants a calm room at work where they can chill out and decent, like, you know, re-regulate after sensory and social overload, right? That's just one small example. I think another funny and small example is I'm pretty sure everybody wants to get rid of fluorescent lighting. Let's just do it. <laughs> um, I think this is a great segue um, into the conversation about ableism because for me, I'm starting to learn more about what ableism looks like in the workplace and how this form of discrimination can be particularly really harmful. Um, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about this topic and what you know about, about this topic. Yeah. Ableism is more than just discrimination, although I had to say just discrimination. Ableism is more than discrimination. It's more than a person-to-person -person relation. It is the systemic oppression of disabled people. So that is to say that society and the way that it currently operates, it's run in a certain way that 
specifically makes it more difficult for those with disabilities who differ from the norm to be successful, to be happy, to be content, to have a good livelihood. It makes it more difficult for that in order to give those who do have more of the normative thought of able-bodiedness an advantage. So whenever there is one person that has a disadvantage, there's always another person or group that has an advantage. And I think it's important to recognize that this is systemic, this is legislative, this is big, because there are so many people out there, individuals who would say, no, look, I don't want that, without realizing that by not actively going at the systems, going at legislation that protects people with disabilities, supports people with disabilities, going after small practices like interview processes and how they are actually totally biased towards neurotypical people over neurodivergent people. Unless we are looking at those systemic things, it doesn't really quite make as much of a difference how much an individual thinks and feels about disabled people when the entire system is set up to make disabled people struggle. I think that's why it's important to view ableism as more than person-to-person discrimination, but as a bigger thing. Of course, we do need to all work on ourselves individually in terms of discrimination, the way we view and think of others. At the same time, it's very helpful, I think, for everyone to see that it is bigger than just me, than just you, than just another person. And that way, we can realize that we can work together to make change, as opposed to thinking that I am, a, I am the single problem. Right. And unfortunately, it is so complex and complicated because there's little pieces and parts in every single system in our society that need to be changed and and viewed in a different light. So, you know, it it can seem like a daunting task to go at those systems, but until we make an active decision to do so and to make things better and actively continue to do so as time goes on, um, little steps make a big difference over time. So going off of that topic, what are some misconceptions or stereotypes of autism that are particularly harmful? And how can we clarify that for our, our viewers so that they can see it as um, what it actually is rather than a stereotype? I think that there are some pretty big like chunk groups of stereotypes that tend to go with being autistic. And one is the autistic savants. So if you're autistic, you or I would be extremely intelligent in one area and like a genius in that area. And that would actually make me very valuable to society, despite all of my clear awkwardness and quirkiness and not being able to get along with other people. But I'm valuable enough because of my genius and that being able to be utilized. So there's that stereotype and it's very harmful. Part of what I just said, which is that my value is placed upon my intellect, my societal value, not as me as a person, as a human. Then I think on the other far, far end of that, there is the tragedy autistic person. I have ruined my family's life. 
I will never be a whole person. I will never be valuable. And I am a drain and a burden. So those are two big stereotypes. You're either the savant who makes all these wonderful gains for society and business or some other place, or you're a tragedy viewed as kind of, for lack of a better word, but it's kind of what it is, viewed as worthless as a problem. And I think most autistics do not fall, well, I don't think anybody falls in tragedy, but I think most autistics do not fall into savant. And we're, we're living our lives completely not in any way on that trajectory of savant to tragedy. We're out here somewhere. And then, and yet we have to measure ourselves up against these, these stereotypes. And I think within autistic individuals within us, we're afraid that we're gonna be viewed as the tragedy unless we can be the savant. And that's a terrible place to be to either be completely worthless or be a super genius, that those are your two options. Now go, you know? And, and that's a hard place to be. And I hope that we can truly begin to recognize and embrace the diversity found within the autistic community. Yeah, and that's such a great point to be added to this conversation because I think it's so easy for people to digest um, information or situations when there are polarizing ends like there's good versus bad or there's uh, black versus white but there's so much gray area within these topics especially when we're talking about a spectrum disorder and so and then there's so many other factors that can influence how uh, a person's perspective grows over time so um you're absolutely right we have to learn to embrace the differences between each other and just be confident in who we are as human beings there's so much diversity whether it be neurodiversity uh, cultural socio and economic diversity between all of us but finding a way that we can be all successful um, and live together to be productive and further our society it's going to be challenging especially um, with this past year there's been so many different movements on the rise and we're all just trying to figure out how we can benefit each other and really um, support each other the best way that we can, even if we can't relate to their experiences. So as we're learning to celebrate and embrace these differences between one another, um, how, what words of advice would you give yourself um, or to our viewers to help embrace who they are and find that inner confidence? I think for autistics to embrace who we are, we have to um, go against what society and culture is telling us, which is that we must try to be as neurotypical as possible. And I think that we, we really can benefit so much from spending time looking at us as the autistic individuals that we are and identifying our strengths as autistic individuals our ways of being innovative, our ways of unique thinking and embracing those things and navigating life with that pride of that positivity. I think we need so much more strengths-based mindset when it comes to autism. And that can start with me and me looking at myself and being, being able to accept my strengths 
and being able to advocate for them. I can't end there. It's not all on autistics to make ourselves feel better about living in an holistic world, but it can start there and that's within our own locus of control. I think identifying our own strengths and the things that make us unique and embracing them and being proud of them and shining with them is something beautiful and other people will see it and recognize it. Absolutely. It's it's not all on an individual to make themselves feel good. It's it's about the environment that is around them and making it accessible to every single person that, that walks through life. So that's what we hope to really inspire through Spectrum Sundays to get these conversations out there to have people thinking about what they need to change about the environment. Yes. And hearing you say environment, it just pops something up in my mind. I think the most the the quicker that I accepted being autistic, being on the spectrum, having a different way of navigating the world. The quicker I accepted that, the more I was able to be okay with adjusting environment <laughs> and um, looking at my own environments and saying, I, sh I should stop trying to make myself be okay with these things that are setting me off sensory ones. I'm only trying to do that. What am I trying to prove to myself that I can make it through this, that I can be neurotypical, um, and then I was able to make adjustments because I stopped trying to be something that I wasn't. And I'm also way more willing to ask for accommodations at work than before. But of course, that requires a willingness to be receptive to the needs. So it goes both ways. But when you said environment, I just immediately started thinking about environments. And that's such a big thing for autistics. So I wanted to throw that in there. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I actually just saw, I think it was a TikTok last night that this your comment reminded me of about this idea of neurotypical like what is neurotypical you know like how and and how harmful is it for us to think there's neurodiverse and there's neurotypical you know that we all exist on this spectrum of ability and we all have different brain patterns and in thinking and ways that we navigate the world around us so um i feel like it's just so important to be open about what each experience might be and then when it is brought to the attention and when someone does advocate for themselves, you know, digest that and think, okay, obviously this space isn't as accessible to this person as it is for me. How can we find common ground so that we all can thrive in this environment? So I definitely think that that's important conversations that continually need to be had and people need to be open about talking about. Um, you mentioned earlier about you being very passionate about education. So Fran and I are as well, and we're actually part of an education program, a scholarship organization called Miss America. And we were wondering if you've heard of this organization, and if not, if you know of education or scholarship programs for education for young women and, and young people that you could share about as well. Um. I've definitely heard of Miss America, and I think it's wonderful the work that um, different people involved in Miss America do in bringing light to very important issues and to advocacy work and activism. And I think that's something that I'm glad to see, and that I'm, I'm happy to see that it's also going into um, disability and advocacy and work in that arena. I'm very happy about that. 
we were talking earlier too how you would have been such a great candidate for the Miss America organization. So maybe we should make a petition to raise the age limit so you can compete and become the next Miss America. Oh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe one day. Uh, or maybe there's another system that would align perfectly for you. We'll definitely keep you updated if we ever find out. But something I really appreciate about you um, is that you run a great social media profile and also you're an avid coffee drinker and so am I. I can totally relate to that. And you have a donation page on your social media account so people can donate for coffee funds. And I appreciate that. So um, what are some ways that you stay motivated and inspired to keep advocating and also to keep posting on social media? Posting on social media is definitely a rhythm that I have to get into and stay into. Luckily, I love routine. So having a routine with posting social media content as much as stick, I like to stick to that routine. It's part of my week. It's part of my day. So that motivates me and is helpful. I think, though, that over time it can become hard, especially when other things are going on in, in my life. But being so linked up with the autistic community in this way through Instagram, through social media, that is very motivating because it's a kind of community experience that I can't really have outside of the virtual world. The autistic community is so strong online and that's really where I can connect with those who are like me. But in addition, I think that the encouragement that I receive from people who DM me within, within the community that really motivates me. And I don't know if they realize it, how much DM can mean a direct message, but it means a lot. And it's so wonderful when people message me and they say, I was just diagnosed with autism and I'm 25, I'm 40, and all these different ages. And they say, I would have never thought to even reach out if it hadn't been for your Instagram. And that really keeps me going because that's autistics, nurturing autistics. That's us lifting each other up and making a difference in each other's lives. They make a difference in my life by just telling me that. And I hope that in any small way, my posts can help others. Oh my gosh, that just gave me chills and butterflies because it's, it's so beautiful to see how strong the community is. And until you know, we're able to amplify voices in the way that they deserve. Um, those are the conversations that are happening behind the scenes that no one even realizes. And, and that's so important, whether or not there's, there's a focus on that, they're happening. And, and for us, that makes me feel so hopeful for what, what's to come in the future, because we have self-advocates like you who are speaking up about your experiencing experiences, and that's inspiring others, whether or not they decide to choose, or they choose to amplify their own story you resonate with something that they've experienced and they they can relate to that so it's just beautiful to see the inner workings behind the scenes um, and how strong the community is so we're just very grateful to have you here to share that and hopefully inspire someone else to reach out to you and and let you know how how you are impacting their life and helping them go forward as well so as we begin to wrap up our segment today do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our viewers, either about autism or anything on your mind, or just a, a message or a takeaway that you would like them to walk away with from this conversation? 
I think a message I always like to share with other autistics um, and a message that I constantly try to feed into myself is that my perspective, my autistic perspective, it's unique, it's innovative, it's different. It can maybe seem bizarre, but it is so needed. We have so many things that are troubling us in the world, so many struggles, so many hardships, and we need fresh new ideas and different perspectives to solve these things. And I do believe that autistics can play a very big role in that. Absolutely. We can't create change by thinking the same way for generations and decades and, and expect anything different to come out of it. But thank you so much for visiting with us, Lauren. We really appreciated this conversation and we're so excited to share it with our viewers. We, we think that there's so much value in having these conversations um, and we're just so appreciative of your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. So if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to check out Lauren's Instagram and her Twitter pages at AutiaNow and find her at her website um, instabio.cc slash AutiaNow. Thank you everyone and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Miss Thousand Islands, Francesca D'Alessandro and Miss Central Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected with autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism.